You are listening to the Zookeeper Stories Podcast with your host, Matthew Price. The goals of this show are to share the stories of animal care professionals around the world, give advice on how to get to the field, and share information that will help out new zookeepers. One of the most common questions people in our field are asked is, how did you get your job? I hope to shed some light on that question and many more by investigating the origin stories of the people on the front lines of the animal care world, the zookeepers. Welcome back to another episode of the Zookeeper Stories podcast. Today I have Ashley Roberts, and she's been a keeper for four years, and uh, she's been actually been at the zoo for about 12 years, so we'll get into that part of her story as well. Um, but uh, great keeper, yada, yada, yada. So let's just get right into it. <laughs> um, uh, so I like to ask my guests, uh, first off, uh, how did you come to fall in love with animals, and at what point did you decide you wanted to work with them professionally as a career? Well, um, I've always loved animals. Uh, I remember being a little kid and watching my, my PBS programs <laughs> and, um, seeing all the, the nature shows and stuff. And my, I can remember sitting at like, you know, two feet from the TV with like slack jaw watching the animals and looking at my mom and saying, I'm going to go there and save those animals and there was Africa you know flat fast forward 30 years later <laughs> and I actually did get to go to Africa so that was really cool but um always wanted to work with animals uh I thought I would be a vet I realized later when I got older that vet school is expensive and uh, <laughs> it and I also I too, I don't know. I'm too soft-hearted. I think it would really break my heart to yeah. deal with sick animals all, all, the, day. all the time. Yeah, yeah, all day, every day, yeah. and have to have to euthanize. I just, I don't want to have. I, I can't make that decision. <laughs> I, I, I could, but I don't want to. Yeah. Um. So, I can remember. I had never even been to San Diego, but growing up, that was the one zoo that I'd ever really heard of. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Spokane, Washington. We had a small little zoo called Walk in the Wild, and I used to go there all the time. And I remember their otter exhibit and their bear exhibit. And it's been closed for years and years, but that was one of my favorite places. And so San Diego Zoo, that was this this mythical land. It's the world famous. Yeah, it's it's where I had heard... Um, it's the only real zoo that I'd ever heard of and knew about, and I wanted to work there. And then, um, you know, trying to figure out my path going through high school. And, um, I thought I would go into the military. Um, I had even, I'd gotten nominations and everything to go to the Naval Academy and it was pretty much set to go. But, um, I graduated when I was 16 and you can't go until you're at least 17. Like you can't even apply. So I had this whole gap year, basically, where I didn't want to just sit around and wait because I thought that would look bad. So I started going to Eastern Washington University. And when I got there, I was like, okay, well, the Navy doesn't really have much in terms of working with animals. Uh, the only branch that I knew of that had a vet corps was the Army, and I didn't want to do Army. So I was struggling. Uh, and I had started a biology 
with an emphasis in zoology degree at EWU. And I just, I can remember talking to my dad and I was like, you know, this is not what's going to make me happy. Could I go and do a good job? Sure. Uh, but it's not what's going to make me happy. I want to work with animals. Mm -hmm. And about that time I was, uh, in talking, getting, I, I got married. Fast forward a little <laughs> bit, I got married to a guy who was in the Navy, and he was coming out of boot camp. And you know, was we were talking about where he wanted to get stationed. I said, "You put in for San Diego, because I'm going to work at the zoo." So he put in for it. He got it. I moved down here, and my first week in San Diego, I tore the page out of the phone book that showed me how to get to the San Diego Zoo. And I went into <laughs> HR and I found every position that was open that I was even remotely qualified for and applied for them all. And then I got hired into Buildings and Grounds as a park aide. Spent my first summer there cleaning bathrooms. And at the safari park? Or at, at the, the zoo. zoo. At the zoo. Okay. zoo. And um, cleaning bathrooms, cleaning up food stands and that kind of thing. Hey, it's not much that, that much different than cleaning up no. after animals. You're just cleaning up after people instead. People are right? way so, grosser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so did that. Um, and it was at that point I, I was watching the keepers and I was like, oh, there it is. That's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. Um, cause I mean, zookeeper isn't really one of those. It's not like, oh, I want to be a doctor. It's, it is, but it isn't. It's yeah. kind of this dream job, but nobody really knows how to do it. Yeah. Do you mean the general public doesn't really, I mean, that's why one of the reasons why we're doing the show is that you know, the general public doesn't really know what we do. Yeah. <laughs> Other they, I mean, <laughs> the perception, you know, all of my friends, until I tell them, they think you just go and play with animals all day, yeah. which is the farthest thing from the truth. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so you were at you were working on buildings and grounds and mm -hmm. uh, watching keepers, and then what next? So I went from being a park aide. I got a loan. So at our facility, they will loan you from one department to another if you show interest mm -hmm. and you kind of do a good job. It has to be amenable to both management. And uh, so I went from park aid to what was called at the time uh, buildings and grounds attendant on the Tiger River and Atari Forest team. It was set up differently back then where each animal care area had a team and that team consisted of the keepers and construction and maintenance crew, some horticulture staff and buildings and grounds. Mm -hmm. And they all worked together to maintain that area. There's kind of a little bit of ownership for that area so buildings and grounds attendance it was it was a whole other job classification because as a buildings and grounds attendant you were there to also be cross-trained in construction and maintenance horticulture keeper stuff oh, that's so cool. it was super cool you learn you learn I, ton I, of stuff like a ton of stuff so do plumbing and exactly whatever, you know, exactly like, like um my great. morning i'd come in at six get the area ready you know take a uh, blower and clean all the leaf debris off the the pathway paper pick take out trashes it's pretty it's open it's ready to go for when the guests get there and then after nine o'clock when we open to the public um i would go and say rich our cnm guy he needed help with something i'd go help him you know pour some concrete or sure, sure. then i go help our horticulture guy oscar haul some 
some stuff. Um, and, uh, help keepers make diets or, Hey, Ash, can you clean up this, this bedroom for me? So I would get cross-trained on all of that. So even when you were classified as a building's ground tenant, you still got to do, yes. you know, some diets and some cleaning oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Probably not a whole lot of direct animal work, but not, no, uh, not um, initially anyway. No. Just, okay. And I mean, as individual keepers kind of got to know me, <laughs> yeah, 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 I might get a little extra yeah. <laughs> responsibility. Um, so that is actually what led to my uh, first keeper loan it was I was doing buildings and grounds attendant stuff in Tiger River Tree Forest. We had a sit call on the hippo string and I had to go out and vacuum the hippo pool. Anyway, they've got this big vacuum that sucks up all the hippo crap. <laughs> and um, so I had to go out there and clean the glass and vacuum the hippo pool anyway. So I said, hey, if one of the keepers wants to come down and pull the hippos off exhibit, I will just clean everything while I'm out there too, since I, I know exactly what needs to happen because I see it every day. So I just kind of took care of the exhibit. Then by the time they got, they had called a keeper in, they weren't even behind okay. on the string. And so at that, at that point they knew that they were going to need a lone person. Um, and they just kind of picked me. They said, Hey, you stepped in when we needed it, you knew exactly what you needed to get done and you just took care of it. So you're the kind of person that we want. So that was my first. So how keep... far into being at the San Diego zoo was, was that until that you got, one, to, got that opportunity? That one was probably only, a year or two in. Okay. Yeah. But still, even then, you had to wait. You were you were already like you knew what you wanted to do, but you knew you had to do get do the the steps to get to where you wanted to be. Yes. Well, and it was tough too because um, I didn't have college degree at the time. Um, I've since you know going to night school, I've gotten my associates, and I'm continuing on to finish my bachelor's online, but. Um, this profession is one that leans heavily on the degree and, or, you know, a whole butt tone, ton of experience. Right. Especially the zoo in particular. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I'm coming in with very little hands-on experience to none and no degree, but, you know, a ton of determination. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I did that, the hippo keeper for four months. And then they hired a new guy, and I actually trained the guy <laughs> that they hired onto that string. Oh, that's got to be frustrating. <laughs> did you interview for that job? or I did not interview for that job. I did apply, okay. uh, but I, I did not get an interview, which I, I expected at that point. So, but when you were on loan, were you, so were you like the primary yes. keeper, hippo yeah. keeper Five for days. that for Five. four months? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's really good experience too. Yeah. yeah. So that was hippos, okapis, and red river hog. Um, and that was, that was a fun string. Then I went back to B&G attendant, but I was still in that area. So I just, you know, kind of continued on. And at that point they had already kind of seen what I was capable of doing and, and mm -hmm. I was getting a little bit more and more. Um, and then as a B&G attendant in the sort of interim years, I bounced around a bit too, cause I would cover other areas. So as a B&G attendant, I also, um, I went up to APC, the Avian Propagation Center, and I worked up there at one point for a total of, I think, close to two years. Wow. Um, and, and that was, you know, I got 
to help with other things and learn, you know, bird stuff. And, uh, I was at the reptile house for a little bit. I've worked just about everywhere in the zoo (laughs) (laughs) at some point. Um, but it was really great because I got to see a lot of different, uh, styles of zookeeping, a lot of different, methodologies, a lot of approaches, things that I did like, things that I didn't like, a lot of different species. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Then uh, my second loan, I got a long-term loan to koalas. uh, And so that one, because it was a long-term loan, I had to apply and interview, which was really great experience getting to actually interview for animal care position. Um, so the, the purpose behind that loan was that, oh, our koalas go out around the world for breeding loans, exhibition loans, that kind of thing. And when a koala goes, a experienced keeper has to travel with the koala and make sure that their staff is good over there. So they usually stay week, two weeks once the koala's gotten there. Okay. So there, it's usually a significant time they're gone. Right. So they need somebody fill in the gaps can, between. Yeah. They, so that's what I ended up doing. And it was, I think nine months off and on, I'd come in, hold down the fort while somebody took a koala somewhere. And then I go back to B and G and then, you know, I was just bouncing back and forth. Um, that was a lot of fun working marsupials, koalas. I fell in love with koalas at that point and marsupials in general, because they're just so weird and fun. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, I went back to buildings and grounds at that point, they, a little bit after that, they had dissolved the team areas. And so we all went back to the main buildings and grounds pool and we were no longer in animal care areas. There was no, uh, possibility of cross training, learning that kind of thing. That was probably a kind of a bummer, huh? It was, it was weird. It was a little difficult, you know, cause at this, you know, I'd spent all these years working with these animals and these yeah. people in these areas. And all of a sudden now I'm not even allowed to go through the door. So, but you know, I was sort of an odd yeah, entity in that situation too. So, uh, then my third loan that I got was to the Mesa with you guys. And that one was like three, four months. And I kind of bounced around Mm -hmm. a lot then. And then with the short-term loans, they're supposed to end at three months. And I think it got fudged a little. (laughs) Um, So it had to end. They had to send me back. But they still needed me or they wanted me to help out more because I think we've been short. Then, because they still wanted me, but I couldn't officially go on a loan because there's a three-month gap period from the time a loan ends to the time when you get to start a new one. Uh, I asked Rod, who was our manager at the time, if I could do a job share, which, because I had done it with the Avian Propagation Center mm-hmm. and Maine B&G as well, where I did a few days a week in one department and a few days a week in the other department. Okay. And he kind of went, oh, yeah, okay. So I would do uh, two days a week buildings and grounds, three days a week uh, as a keeper in the Mesa Elephant Odyssey. And at that point, I started to learn lion jag string. I helped out at elephants, um, the corral. I spent most of my time at lion jag and elephants at that point. 
And so I did that for a few months. And then as soon as that, they were able to pick me up for another loan, they did. And about a month into that, I found out I got an interview for a Mesa position and I got hired a full-time permanent, <laughs> I made it uh, in January and started in February. Yeah, but I'm sure all of that, uh, I always tell people that, you know, they always, some, you know, a friend says, get this job offer, and should I take this interview or not? Um, I always say, you know, take the interview, even if you don't want the job, even if you don't, because that, that experience you get doing it is so valuable for when it actually matters. So I'm sure all of those interviews you did for the loans and other positions was very helpful in, in getting the position that you did. Yeah, I, I definitely knew what to expect going yeah. into the interviews at that point. <laughs> um, and I mean, I knew I was a keeper. I knew it's who I was. I was just waiting for my opportunity. That's right. That was just kind of my my mode of thinking. Um, although I will, I will say that that last interview that I got hired <laughs> from, I, I was sort of going back and forth. I was like, should I, shouldn't I apply? I don't know. I'm so, it was, it, it was emotionally draining. Well, it's hard to, to hear no, you know, It's hard times. to hear no. So yeah, that was, that was tough. Yeah, it was, it was tough going back and forth and just having to kind of watch, but Luckily, I had I had good management in buildings and grounds at the time, and they were really respectful. They knew that that's what I wanted, and that's where I belonged mm -hmm. um, in animal care. And that's so, important. Yeah, so they really um, supported me in that, which is nice. And, you know, they still to this day are like, Oh, I'm so happy for you. You know, they're yeah, super yeah. proud and, and, you know, it makes Don't me forget the little people. No, yeah. no. And I'm still <laughs> friends with a lot of them and it makes me, it makes me feel good. And, and I've had opportunity too to turn around and be able to talk to other people who I know are trying to do the same thing and kind of move up within the organization and having been through all those experiences, like I, I feel like I can give them a little bit. Yeah, you have a unique perspective because you've been doing it. You tried for eight years to yeah. finally get your first keeper <laughs> job at the zoo, only zoo you've worked for. So, yeah, that's that's something that you can definitely pass. Like, everybody, every time I hear, like, a loan person, like, oh, you know, I've been doing loans for three years and I'm just not getting. I was like, I might go talk to Ashley. You got about five more to go until you hit her. So, um, that's awesome. So, Let's let's bring bring everybody up to speed about what you're doing now on the Mesa team and like what your role is on the team and or what you see your role as and um, well, you know and what you want to do on the team I guess. Yep, uh, I I bounce around a lot, <laughs> which is I there are parts of it that I really really enjoy. Um, I like the diversity of working with animals. I like getting to work with different people, and mm -hmm. I never feel like I stagnate. Yep, um, which is great. And I've gotten a lot of really cool opportunities. I've sort of discovered that I gravitate toward carnivores. And I know everybody, most people kind of have a thing that they gravitate toward. You yeah. know, you've got primate people, you've got the bird nerds, you've yeah. got, you know. Um, I really enjoy carnivores. I also, there's a lot of, there's a lot of animals that I love and <laughs> taxons that I love. But carnivores... I just kind of seem to get them sure. and we have a good rapport, uh, cats in particular, but I just recently started learning polar bears, yeah. which is my first set of bears. So I'm excited about that to sort of expand. Um, 
I think bears are fascinating and a super neat challenge. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, yeah, at this point, I'm just kind of filling in where it's needed. I am one of the a few people that are trained on all of our strings. Yeah, that's a that's a very valuable thing to management and maybe not as valuable to the people who have that role because obviously we're valuable. We can they can plug us in anywhere. Yeah. Uh we can work any area, you know, they're confident that we're gonna do a job no matter where they put us, but it kinda takes away from our professional goals in terms of what we wanna do. For me it was not as big of an issue. Um, because I, when I first, well, probably like the first 10 years of my career, like I wanted to just learn everything. Mm -hmm. Like I, I never, keepers often specialize. If you're an elephant keeper, you're an elephant keeper. If you're a primate keeper, you're a primate keeper. But I just kind of did everything until I figured it out. And eventually I figured out bears were my thing. So have you kind of figured out yet in the four years you've been a keeper to like what you, like what, if you want to specialize or if you don't, or what kind of animals you want to work with eventually, like what's your ultimate goal as a keeper in terms of species you want to work with? Uh, I'm, I think I'm still in the broadening my horizons. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, it's, it's nice to have variety, you know, like I, one part of the reason for me too, was that I get bored really easy if I do mm. the same thing every day except for bears, <laughs> um, I, I get, uh, you know, I get bored. So, um, no, that's yeah, great. I haven't, I haven't gotten bored yet. That's good. Um, so yeah, at, at least at this point, I really, really enjoy carnivores a lot, but I also super enjoyed working with koalas. Mm -hmm. Um, I pretty much fall in love and get obsessed with every animal <laughs> that you, <laughs> you give me from yeah. a little speaks gazelle, you know, I could sit there and watch speaks gazelles all day, yep. um, to, you know, my lion or whatever. Um, I just, I really respect them for who and what they are, um, as a species, as individuals. And I think that's, it's super fun and it's, I'm in an, a, amazing position to be able to just observe them all, yeah our know? team has an amazing diversity of, of species so it's a good place to be for that uh there's no probably no none of the animals are listening to this yeah. um, so <laughs> no one's feelings are going to get hurt but do you have like a favorite individual animal currently on our team i know there are so many so many characters Oof. yeah i i I mean, the Valerio, our, our not-so-little baby jaguar, he was one of my first babies, yeah. so he'll always have a special sure. place in my yeah. heart. Um, and, you know, there's just, we had uh, one of our regulars brought me some pretty photos, like on glossy photo paper of me with him in my lap when he was just itty-bitty, and it was, it brought back all those old feelings of, you know, wow, here's a baby <laughs> jaguar who was just sitting in my lap looking yep. at me with, like, sweetie eyes. Yep. Um, so that's that's okay. definitely really cool. I love Mbari, our male lion. I wish she loved me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, I like the naughty kids, too. You know, Granite, our raccoon, she doesn't particularly like me, but... She's just got so much vinegar. Like, she's yep. just a brat, and I love it. Yeah, those animals are sometimes harder to love, but I've always had a soft spot for animals with attitude, kind of, too. Yeah. Because, you know, they, not to say they get neglected, but 
you know, you're not, at, most people aren't as excited to go work with something that doesn't want anything to do with you. It's like, okay, well, I'm out of here then, yeah. you know, so. Well, you start, you you're not getting nice... reinforced back, yeah, you know, you're not, you <laughs> for the yeah, time investment. Right, exactly. <laughs> And, and then one of those animals that doesn't like you and then doesn't want to use any of the enrichment you just gave them yeah. just feels it's just so deflating. You're just like, oh, I tried so hard to do something nice for you. Uh, I had a day the other day with Mbari where I, he didn't want to go outside onto exhibit after, you know, I finished cleaning and everything. So Itosha, the female went out and. I finally, I worked him outside with, you know, meatballs and come on buddy. And so he finally gets outside and I close the door and he was all upset about it. And I took out the rest of his breakfast to feed him and he came and he laid down right in front of me. And then he proceeded to look everywhere, but at me <laughs> and he was laying right there, but he wasn't going to give me yeah. the time of day. He's of like, no, I'm mad at you. You tricked me. <laughs> so that was, they definitely have big personalities. So just transitioning off that while I'm thinking about it, because it makes a good story. Talk about Embari uh, and his white barrel. Oh, Lordy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's special. So we have this big, it's got to be what, like a 50-gallon, gallon, yeah, 55-gallon yeah. drum, and it had apple cider vinegar in it because the elephant keepers use it on elephant feet. And so once it was empty... They gave it to us, and for some reason, it's Mbari's favorite thing in the world, and he gets super territorial over it, possessive of it. Um, you can't even walk by the fence line when he's got it, because he just rages, and he thinks you're going to take it away. He even yells at Itosha, and Itosha <laughs> is, like, she gets away with whatever she wants, because that's his girl, but he, she will even kind of cower but it is a useful tool, a very powerful tool. Because if we need him to go somewhere and he doesn't feel like it, all I have to do is pretend like I'm going to grab that. Of course, <laughs> if you if you go for the barrel, you need to give him the barrel because otherwise you're not trustworthy. But, yeah. you know, that is a very powerful tool. Of course, He's... sometimes if it's on exhibit, he doesn't want to come in off of exhibit. So you have to get sneaky and try and get him inside so you can... Go get it. <laughs> um, was he like that from day one with that? Since uh, I've known him. Got him? Yeah. Since I've known him. It's yeah. weird how you can build or buy these elaborate, you know, enrichment devices. I've 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 looked on websites and they're like thousand dollar like puzzle feeders and stuff. But at the end of the day, sometimes the animal just wants to play with a freaking white barrel yeah. that was free <laughs> that we already had. Like my dog, like I would buy all these ridiculous toys for her, but her favorite thing was like a Tupperware. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's what makes sure. you happy. <laughs> uh, that's fun. Okay, so um, we talked a little bit about marsupials, yes. which leads me to my next question. Uh, you're about to embark on a very exciting thing, something I, I would love to do. My living situation is a little bit different, yeah. unfortunately, but uh, you're about to go on a keeper loan, uh, which means basically you're going to, or a keeper exchange rather, where you're going to basically just swap places with somebody from... Uh, a sanctuary in Australia mm -hmm. where they're going to come do your job and you're going to go do their job for, is it three months or yeah. six months, three, three months. months. Um, so that's awesome. Like, how did you come about, how did you find that opportunity? And I don't know, what are you hoping to learn there and maybe talk about, uh, you know, the, the facility where you're going to and things yeah. like that. Uh, so I, I had seen uh, some of my colleagues at the zoo had done exchanges before and 
when I came on board a permanent full-time keeper, it was definitely something that I was interested in pursuing in the future. At our facility, you have to be a senior keeper, uh, among some other qualification things, to be able to go do the exchange. So I I knew I had to wait a little bit. But I got an email from the boss saying, Hey, there, we, you know, we received this email from a keeper at Healesville Sanctuary and she's interested in doing an exchange. If anyone on the team is interested, come talk to me. So I was like, Oh, this is it. There we go. Okay. So I went and I talked to the bosses and then I went and I talked to the bosses again and I kept talking to the bosses and I think I drove them nuts. Um, and I started conversation with the uh, keeper that I'm going to be exchanging with and just started kind of started the dialogue of sure. how it might look if it were to happen. And she seems great. And it was, you know, my, my place is perfect. I live pretty close to the zoo. So, you know, she'll have my car, but she could walk if she wanted. And, um, so you're, so she's, she's taking, literally taking your house, taking your car, mm -hmm. um, and doing your job and you're doing the same thing there. I mean, typically that's the way it works, right? Is you, but I know your situation is a little bit different. Mine is a little different. Uh, she's actually giving up her apartment. She lives in Melbourne proper and Hillsville sanctuary is like, from what I understand, about 45 minutes outside of Melbourne. Okay. And I didn't want to have to deal with a commute anyway, um, especially because mine now is seven minutes with lights <laughs> yeah. um, to a 45-minute commute in yeah. a land where I would have to drive on the other side of the road. It wasn't <laughs> super appealing. So she has been doing a ton of work and has found several people who are willing to rent out rooms and that kind of thing. There's also a, um, a lady who lives near the sanctuary who rents out part of her house usually it goes to their vet residents who come to the sanctuary uh but it's available and so and it's about the same price as my rent here which is doable it's perfect it works fine and it's right near the sanctuary so that'll be nice i will also have her car too but less of a commute Um, driving on the right hand side yeah 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 it's gonna be fun um that'll be my well, it'll be my second experience. I never drove in South Africa, but um, it was definitely, I did go to get in on the wrong side of the car multiple times. <laughs> um, so then eventually after much bugging and I sort of did all the legwork leading up to it, um, the bosses conferred and said, okay, we will support you being the one to go. And at that point it was sort of off to the races because while the zoo supports you going, it's, you still got to do all. You the, have to do all of the yeah. legwork. Um, so I just recently got all my visas approved and everything, which was crazy. Um, it's special works, short-term work visa for specialized, highly spe- highly skilled and research positions or something like that. Um, nobody quite knows what to do with it. <laughs> so got that all taken care of. And uh, so I'll be flying over the in the end of next month, actually. for It starts August 1st through October 31st will be the length of the exchange. 
And she works in da- the their endangered string, which includes Tasmanian devils. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. That's super exciting because when I was a kid, my favorite Looney Tune character was Taz. Oh, and I nice. always had this like special just love for Tasmanian devils. <laughs> and I just think they're super cool. So this is it's it's one of my bucket list yeah. animals that I'm like, I wanna work with them at some point. So she works them and then they've got a couple other types of endangered possums, uh, lead butters possum, and then also a skink, which is cool because I have very little uh, herp experience. Mm-hmm. So that'll be neat yeah. to learn that. Um, Real quick, just because I know nobody else knows what the word herp means except for other zookeepers. So oh, what does that mean? It herp, doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean the herp and the hiv. No, <laughs> <laughs> no herps. Uh, reptiles. reptiles. Yeah. So yeah. herpetiles is like kind of a name for. I don't even. I don't even really know. I should find out. But like, it's. I don't. It's not a scientific name. Like, where did herpetology? I think herpetology. It's short for herpetology. Did, yeah, but why? Why is herpetology reptiles? Why isn't it? reptilology or, I, don't I, I don't know <laughs> it's probably some, something to do with latin uh, or greek or something probably yeah um you need a reptile keeper in here I, to explain yeah it. i do That's i need you... to find a reptile keeper <laughs> there for you show. go exactly joey brown probably would okay <laughs> um so that yeah it's going to be super exciting they also have platypus there which makes me nerd out to no end uh that's cause, yeah because no one that i know of has work them and I don't, I've never seen one so yeah I've never seen one in real life I don't think I don't think that they're anywhere outside of Australia, Australia. yeah that's so gonna be awesome that's gonna be really exciting and um so they're they're operating under Zoos Victoria which is basically like a three facility um organization like San Diego Zoo Global is also a three facility uh, we've got the zoo, we've got the safari park, and then we've got the Institute for Conservation right. Research. Theirs is a little different. They've got Melbourne Zoo, and then they've got Werribee Open Range, which is basically like their safari park. And then they've got uh, Heelsville Sanctuary, which is all native species, uh, indigenous to Australia. And they also do uh, rehab and release of things, which I have a little bit of experience with rehab release because when I was still trying to get hired, at the zoo, I volunteered at a couple rehab facilities as well after work nice. while going to school, <laughs> trying to get all that experience yeah, yeah. and the degree and make myself marketable. So it's yeah, I'm really excited so to learn just Tasmanian devils one more um, more stuff about. Uh, marsupials and that kind of thing. I mean, monotremes. Yeah, monotremes. They're just so weird and cool. Yeah, they make no sense, but yet there they are. They're like... Like they, the Hillsville Sanctuary just put out a thing that said they had twin uh, platypus. And I'm like, okay, how does that work? Is that they both came out of the same egg or are they like clutch mates? I just, (laughs) I don't even know. And I'm gonna need to know. Yeah. And there's, so just for everybody, monotremes are specific to Australia. And there's only two, right? It's the platypus and the echidna. Yeah. There's only two. I think so. Yeah. And there's two types. There's a short nose and long nose echidna. So three species of monotreme in total, I believe. Yeah. Wow, that's gonna be that's gonna be. I'm really jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited. Uh, that's I'm... gonna be awesome. I can't wait to talk to you when you come back. Um, that's yeah. I can't wait to hear about everything. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, part of part of the responsibilities of the exchange keeper too is that I have to write an article for our Zoo News, 
and I have to write a couple blogs while I'm gone. And I also have to do a presentation uh, for at least our department uh, when I get back. So that'll be fun. But I'll come back and chat with you yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, well, let's transition into something fun. Let's, uh, as I know, knowing Ashley, she has, all, I mean, I don't know necessarily about animal stories, but I know she has lots of embarrassing people stories. So uh, do you have any uh, funny or embarrassing animal stories you'd like to share with the listeners? I don't, oh yeah, I'd have to say the one that comes to mind first is the day that Guapo, our male jaguar, and Mbari, our male lion, had a contest about who owned me for the day. <laughs> um, I can see where this is going. <laughs> and it started, I was working with our colleague Nicole, and it started, I was kind of sitting on the floor next to uh, Wapo's front bedroom. And just talking to him and hanging out with him. And Nicole was over at the far end of the building doing diets. And she asked me a question. And I looked at her to answer her. And at that moment, I felt the pee just come <laughs> up my face. He had, he had marked my, my face uh... with jaguar urine and other special things. And we had a good laugh over it. And I kind of wiped it off because you're a zookeeper when you... You just wipe it on your pants. Like, it's yeah, fine. It's just it's pee. It's, you, know, <laughs> you shower later. That's... You're going to get it on you at some point. <laughs> Everything's just dirt. We just call yeah. it all dirt. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of laughed about it. And then we went out to the front of the lion exhibit to do, I think it was a training session or feed or something like that. And Mari peed on me. <laughs> and he kept trying to pee on me. I dodged a few of them, but I think I got hit at least three times. And she was just laughing the whole time. She's like, he smells the jaguar pee on you. And he's like, no, she is mine. So we finished out there and I went back in the building and I'm standing by our desk area, which is in front of Guapo's bedroom. And all of a sudden he starts shooting at me again. (laughs) And I got, I dodged a few more, but I got hit another time. I got peed on a total of five times that day. Well, that must mean your guapos then, because I, and that's where ended, it ended, so, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, lions can spray like ten feet. Yeah. So our actually our, the place where we do the public talk is nowhere near ten feet away, <laughs> and uh, I've definitely seen guests take it in the face before. Yeah. That's why we have signs out there. Yeah, it's un- I mean, people want to be close, obviously as close as possible, but there are we need like a splash zone sign, yeah. like a Sea World, like in front of the lion. So. <laughs> So yeah, uh, that was that was a good one. I went home pretty smelly that day, but loved. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I felt you were very loved. definitely loved, <laughs> or at least possessed. Yeah. One of, you know, uh, okay, well, let's uh, think about wrapping up here. But before um, I let before we um, end, I like to give the guests the floor. Um, I'm just I'm super excited about where the field of zookeeping is going and how it's enmeshing with conservation and excited about the opportunities that that's going to bring. You know, in 2014, I got to go to Africa and participate in some conservation work with lions. And I'm going to, at Healesville, you know, hopefully get to participate in some more conservation stuff. And I know so many of my colleagues love that idea. And because everybody's super passionate about 
you know, they're animals and that's, yeah, yeah. that's why they got into it. And, you know, trying to create a place where those animals still exist <laughs> and will continue to exist. And so I'm just, I'm super excited for all those learning opportunities. I'm really excited for, you know, the people coming up and into the organization, their various organizations and, um, keeping it fluid and keeping it growing and learning and moving toward, um, you know, better and better animal welfare and better and better conservation work. So yeah, we've we've talked about it in a few episodes where how zoos, you know, they used to be um, basically just entertainment. You know, yeah. you go and you see the animal behind bars and concrete and you're like, oh, that's a cool animal. Okay, that's all we're going to do for it. And now we're very conservation education focused. And I don't know about you, but one of the most reporting, most rewarding parts of the job for me is connecting people with the animals, especially kids, because that, uh, you know, that's that's how people... I think Rochelle said it on her episode, you know, people don't care about anything they can't touch, right. interact with, see, yep. and our job to connect someone with that is like a life-changing experience and hopefully we'll make them care about things in the future and in terms of what they're buying and, you know, how they live their lives. So Yeah, it, it definitely is. I recently had a, a cool experience. I did a, a tour at our... Um, dromedary camels and Baja pronghorn, peninsular pronghorn. And, you know, peninsular pronghorn are critically endangered. There's like 150 to 200 left. Yeah. And, but most people are like, eh, you know, yeah. whatever, it's a deer. And I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> um, that's like the old, like, monkey ape thing. It just gets you twitchy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I th and I thought the tour was just tanking and the, they weren't listening and, you know, it was just here, feed the, the camels and go. But I kept, you know, plugging the conservation message as much as I could. And they, you know, were leaving. They were getting on their cart to take off and go to their next stop with their educator. And I heard one of the little kids ask her educator, you know, so what can I do to save the pronghorn? And I was just like, <gasps> nope, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, and it just, it was one of those things. Like, that's what we do. There's so many, you know, turds that we see every day that, you know, the guy sits there and pretends like he's shooting your antelope or, you know, those people. So that animal's drugged, right? You know, but, uh, you just, those aren't the people that you're going to reach that day, but there is somebody that you're going to reach. And so that's what you have to focus on. And I'm excited to be a part of that. I love it. I was I was telling Ann yesterday that uh, I need we need to ha do an episode where it's just all dumb guest stories because <laughs> I think we could probably fill two oh, hours with easy. the things that people say and do at the zoo. <laughs> um, okay, well we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thank you guys every thank everyone for listening again, and uh, you know we'll have another guest the following week. I'm not sure who yet, but we will definitely have one, and we're going to keep doing this as long as uh, we have keepers that want to share their story. Thank you for listening to the Zookeeper Stories podcast. I hope you learned something about zookeeping and had a few laughs along the way. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher. It really helps me to grow the show and continue to improve. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you can send an email to zookeeperstories at gmail.com or tweet me at zookeeperstory.